Hi, this is Mish Hancock, and you are listening to Mishmash, a place where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to know more about. Today, my guest is John Stevens. John is a serial entrepreneur and current owner of the Roots FM radio station, which plays freeform album rock from the record collection you wish you had. Hi, John. Hello, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. We so John and I have not met before this. This is our first time meeting. And you came to me from Josh Levy, who I adore, and he told me I would adore you. I'm like, all right, let's go. A lot of pressure. I'm t- you ready? <laughs> so tell me about you I mean you have a long history in radio life. Let's talk about it. Well, my, my real life, uh, I guess you could say maybe it started with radio. If you go back to college, media in general, uh, my first significant job was at the Post-Dispatch. Um, I went from there to Camo uh, uh, X TV, um, from there to an ad agency in New York, et cetera, et cetera. So I did, I did a lot of things, but it was always media communications. Gotcha. Gotcha. And then radio station-wise, where, where have you been? Well, nowhere um, significant. My, one, my, bi- my biggest radio job was a station here in St. Louis that was at 108. And the, uh, the call letters were KGRV. Okay. Music for Groovy Grownups. Ooh, ooh and I la actually la. Had to, I had to say that for minimum wage. So. <laughs> Groovy Coronas. Oh, I wish I knew the marketing people that came up with that one. So um, so now you've decided I'm going to have my own radio station playing the music that I love and sharing it with all. And you, and you, and you feel like this is a market that it, there was a space. It needed to be filled. Yeah, it's kind of a, uh, a bucket list project. Um, I have, I'm retired, and I've sold off my different businesses and such. And uh, I was thinking, well, you know, what do I want to do? And I wanted to get back into doing the uh, the radio thing. And my wife said, well, you can really do whatever you want, but you just can't lose so much money that I'm aware of it. Yeah, well, that good job, wife. Yeah, there's like things like going on vacations and stuff that she probably still wants to do. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> so what kind of music do you guys play? Well, our target is uh, people basically in our basic age group, which are the 60s into the 70s. We have some listeners in the 50s. And it, it, it was our opinion that they've been abandoned by radio today. They're uh, somehow or other the idea developed that, well, once you get to be 55 or 60, you don't care about music anymore. And uh, you're... Just I mean, well, there, well, there's not even a f- official demographic for us. Really? So we were we focused on people that loved the the earliest what's called then progressive rock, which then became album rock, which then became classic rock, and we kind of discard classic rock as being the top forty of progressive rock. Right. And you hear the same songs over and over again on some stations and, and you're thinking, there was a lot more. There was well, a it would lot really, more. It would really surprise people to know 
how few songs the most popular stations play. The big uh, classic rock station in, in St. Louis plays 500 songs over and over and over again. And I find it very odd. I mean, especially when I, I think, I mean, okay, maybe I'm not speaking for everyone, but as a person that loves music, I feel like what I want to know is I want someone to deepen that experience for me by sharing more, maybe maybe something from an album I haven't heard of before. Like, hey, did you know this particular artist did this song and we love it because? Or I love when people tell me things about songs I didn't know, like this was written because. Or, in fact, I just went to um, the Van Gogh exhibit with the whole immersive light right. experience. And I believe it was Don McLean who did the song about Van Gogh. And that was playing. I had no idea that, I had no idea that that song was about Van Gogh. And that just made the experience so much better for me. Like, oh, wow, I had no idea. Well, that's a very big part of what we do because if you go back to those early days, um, meaning the late 60s, early 70s, discovery of new music was a big deal. I mean, you know, we would it would almost be a holiday when a a new album would come out from the Stones or whomever. So what we do, well, we started with the first person that I signed on board was a gentleman by the name of Ta, um, Ted Hobbick. And Ted had been at Casey for a number of years. And then he uh, had gone off to Los Angeles and worked for some legendary stations there and then came back. But Ted knows more about music than almost any other person on earth that, that I'm aware of. And our idea was to find music that maybe we missed you know, back then, which is often called deep cuts, and find additional albums that maybe were not a big hit or were not a big hit for the artist who was a big hit. And then we discover new, new music. So right now, for instance, our new music that we're playing this week is there's a brand new album that is just coming out from Yes, and we're playing a song from them. Really? I'm not sure who the guys are, but it says Yes, and okay. it sounds like Yes, and it's great. <laughs> and the other thing we just uh, acquired on Friday was I was kind of a deadhead back in those days. Gotcha. I did I didn't follow the Grateful Dead around, but I enjoyed seeing them and have great memories of sitting in the Fox Theater in the, in the early 70s, staring up at that uh, chandelier. And uh, this is a series of recordings of 12 different concerts done by the Grateful Dead at the Fox Theater. I'll be darned. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's wonderful. It's like, it's like new music. It's a new experience. I guarantee that any of those concerts that you saw, you were there with my Uncle Jim. My Uncle Jim was a, still huge deadhead. Oh, I'm going to have to tell him about this. That's cool. And it's it's uh, the uh, the CD is uh, at Euclid Records if you'd like to go buy it. For, uh, Amazon does not have it yet. Really? And um, Wait, Amazon doesn't have something? Okay, all right. Well, the Grateful Dead, you know, were very religious about recording all of their concerts. So they have this huge library of things. And I guess since it's in a nice 
packaged, you know, thing with CDs and is coming out on vinyl as well. Oh, cool. That, um, you know, they must be selling some, some copies. I would believe that they did. But here's what's so interesting, because for a lot of artists, they didn't want people recording their concerts. And the Grateful Dead embraced that, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. Because many are like, no, you can't record our concerts. You have to go buy our albums. Not cool. And the Grateful Dead was like, all right, we're good with it. That's what our fans want to do. Well, there's just, we could do a whole show just on the realities of the music business back in those days. Right. And there are are wonderful bands from St. Louis. One was Mama's Pride. And they had a national album that did very well. And um, then they were scheduled to go off on a big national tour with uh, I just forgot the one one other band that had a that tragically had a big airplane crash and most of them were killed. So uh, that national tour never happened for Mama's Pride, and so Mama's Pride never really made it much bigger than that first album or two. And they tell stories that. You know, they never made a dime on on any of those. The record companies have accounting ways and, and things like that. And in fact, when their music remained popular on a regional basis, they couldn't get permission from the record company who owns the copyright to the recording, okay, for them to, to make more copies. And it's one of the many tragedies of music of that period that they... Uh, the masters are tied up in the hands of the record companies that, that you know, want hundreds of thousands of dollars from a bunch of sixty-five-year-old, uh, uh, you know, semi-retired musicians. Oh my gosh! So, are do you? I mean, is that something you can play? Do you have that music to play? Oh yeah, we, um, we you know, this is uh, we're not a renegade pirate. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, we pay rights to organizations. I don't even know who the hell they are. You know? Gotcha. And um, we uh, are, you know, just completely legal. Um, there's no free music. We go buy everything or we get it from listeners and friends and things like that. And we pay thousands of dollars a year for, for what are called copyright performance rights gotcha. to all the music that we play. But that doesn't necessarily mean the people who made the music are getting any of that. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like trickle-down economics. Okay. It just doesn't work. Um, and they were somehow or other, when you make a, remember that when you sign these contracts, you're a dumb 18-year-old yeah, kid. kid. Just yeah. going, I'm going to make it big. I can't, you know, you're, I, I would have signed it at You 18. never read all the stuff. No. Nor would you know what it means. (laughs) And all this time that you thought the record companies were being very generous, you know, buying you steaks and recording in the best facilities here and there and all this kind of stuff. Well, it's all just going on your tab and the tab comes due. And then most of these guys had to declare bankruptcy just to get loose of the record companies. Oh, my gosh. But that's not the point. Yes, I got you. Okay, we're sad about that. It's not cool. All right, we will move on. So then with the kind of, I mean, just 
anecdotally, you know, people that listen to you, I mean, have you heard anyone come back to you? Has anyone come back to me like, oh my gosh, that was so cool. I had no idea. Or I loved listening to that song that, you know, like you're helping me to discover things that have existed for a long time, but I didn't know existed. I think that's got to be way fun. It is. Our supporters, our members, uh, we don't sell commercials. We're supported by our members, um, are just incredibly appreciative of what we do. And and they let us know. And they're also very general. Excuse me, very generous. Nice. Now, unfortunately, there's an even larger group of people that uh, think that, you know, music is free and something you don't have to pay for. We have, you know— tens of thousands of listeners, but less than a thousand paying members. Gotcha. But the the listeners are very appreciative and they'll they call with uh, suggestions and say, you know, I heard that you had this song, but do you have this one from them? I mean I can lend you mine, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh cool. And it's it's it, it's fun. That is so fun. And well and you know, so your your raving fans are the ones that are paying, right? They're the yes. they're the people that if you went away, they would be crazy sad. But it is difficult, I believe, because um, there, there is so much free music out there in a sense, or you're paying your, you know, fourteen ninety nine a month for Apple Music. And, I'll, ta- I'll take you know, that fourteen ninety five. Yeah, let's give it to the roots. Right. Right. Um, what other, I mean, this just sounds like really fun. I love when people are like, I'm going to retire but I still want to do something really cool that's been on my mind. How long has it been in your mind? I want to do a radio station. Well, I guess since I was maybe 16 or 17. Oh, gosh, awesome. You know, my uh, – I was – I can remember um, – Laying in bed at night, listening to Johnny Rabbit, who was a big radio DJ here in St. Louis. And I would be listening, and they would say, you know, and here comes Bing, and then the song would would start. And I'd be sitting there in my little 14-year-old mind or whatever it was, saying, how did they get that record to start that fast when they wanted to, okay? And it never dawned on me that they would have these— high-torque turntables that would start very quickly, or the idea of the broadcast cart, which is a tape thing. And then I would listen some more, and then all of a sudden the music would be playing, and then Johnny Rabbit would come on, and he'd be yelling and jumping up and down, but the sound didn't get any louder. And the minute that Rabbit would speak, the music would go down, and I figured there had to be people with very quick hands turning the knobs up and down. And I had no idea about things like um, compressors and limiters and all the technical things. So all through my life, I um, kind of carried that dream. Uh, went to college at Lindenwood out in in St. Charles. They had a uh, an FM radio station that was owned by uh, the school. But Robert Highland from KMOX uh, was a member of their board of directors. And I chose that school because Mr. Highland was on the board, and I figured that's how I was going to get a job at uh, at KMOX. And when he finally got around to offering that job, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, sir, I just got a job with CBS TV. And I went off on the, on the TV route. So audio had always been, had always been there, okay? And... Um, had a lot of a lot of us. It was a very entrepreneurial group, and there are 
many of us still own radio stations from the old days. And uh, it was just something we really loved. Now, it's gotten to be a very difficult business, and the groups and everything else are, are very— So I, I, I'd done many other things. I start, In 1991, I started what it turned out to be my largest business. And I was, at that time, um, working for the RCGA and uh, had created a marketing program called I'm Sold on St. Louis, which was a marketing program for the region. Okay. And um, my job was to create track, um, positive PR about St. Louis to help our, our image. But I needed to prove I did that, so I needed a clipping service. So the idea of a newspaper clipping service was old and, you know, they existed, but not the idea of a broadcast clipping service. Okay. So I started a broadcast clipping service, um, eventually uh, grew and grew and expanded that into a national company. And what we did was recorded virtually every radio station with news, every television station with news in the country, um, took every newscast and converted it into text so that it could be searched. Right. And that text is indexed against the audio or the video. So if your company, say Anheuser-Busch, were mentioned, uh, we would be able to provide them with a piece of that story that played right from that that point. I'll be darned. And um, we, my little company, we had six or eight offices, um, and then I sold it to a company in Sweden, which is interesting. Swedes think we're crazy, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> sold it to them, and my my brilliant wife, uh, when she saw that very nice check come through, she said, okay, great. Was there something else you want to do? And, and then she said, no, 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 not including this money. You have to do something new. <laughs> and that money went off into an account, and that's what we're living on now, thank goodness, all those, all those years later. Nice. But it was, I kind of, my brain, I had a creative side and a marketing side. Right. And I was always looking for markets that would, would support a business or were underserved. We operated for about 12 or 13 years, a closed captioning service here in St. Louis, I guess. Many really? people didn't know they I even existed. Know. I still, I mean, I like to have closed captioning on all my shows because sometimes I don't catch something, but I'll catch it in the closed captioning. And I also think it's one of the reasons why my daughter started reading early because there were always words on our TV. In fact, I don't even think she knew there was no such thing as words on TV until she went to other people's houses. Well, we're lost without it. My wife and I love all the British import stuff, and uh, you can't always understand what they're what they're saying. True, and to exactly. have the screen yes. uh, that really helps there. Yes, but you know, people you know don't realize that um, for many years, and to a certain extent, even now, there are literally people sitting there. 
typing away. Typing as they speak. They make typos sometimes. I see. They do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and the network people are very, very good at it. Now, unfortunately, like everything else, it's it's speech to text technology. Right. And it, it's the product has gotten worse, but it's cheaper. Well, yeah. There's definitely typos in those. I, sometimes I see them, I'm like, well, and even when you're driving and you've got your your little person that's saying your driving directions for you. And the one my daughter and I had on the other day, I don't know why she could not pronounce South, but she kept saying, so, so uti. I'm like, what is, what is that? She goes, I don't know. Every time she says South, that's what she says. Well, those actually are not <laughs> human speaking. Those, well, are, it's a, it's, those are computers. Right. It's a, know. it's a computer. It's that robot generated. Right. Yeah. It's was rather you know, entertaining in the, actually. In the older days, um, like if you remember the FA12522, I guess, which was the time and temperature okay. number here in St. Louis, those were said by computers. But the way they worked is they didn't have the uh, the technology to have the computer make the sound. So they had to have someone go in and record one, two, 21, 22, 32, you know, record all those. And each of those were separate little files. Right. So the computer could reassemble those real quick and play them back. But it was, you know, you could generally it tell it wasn't a little real. wonky. Yeah. yeah, no, I get it. So I have some fun questions for you. Are you uh, ready? Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, one, from a music standpoint, it was uh, James Taylor at the Muni Opera, which I don't understand why they could never make that work, but what a beautiful place to go, you know, see a concert. Right. And that that was big. My, um, my best live music experience was with my uh, young, now 35-year-old son, and uh, we went to see the Rolling Stones at the arena. And our seats were limited view, meaning they were on the side. But he and I loved it because we could see backstage. And he and I are both into guitars. He, he plays, I, I don't. And um, he, uh, we, we, we would watch how they would go. People were running back and forth, giving them different guitars. And I go, oh, you know, my son, is, his name is Sam. And I said, well, you know, isn't that cool? They just, they like certain guitars for certain songs. And he says, well, Dad, listen very carefully and then watch the chords they're playing. I said, I see the chord they're playing, but that's not the chord I'm hearing. Okay. So he said, well, what they've done is they can no longer sing those high notes. So the different guitars have been retuned so they can be playing a G chord at the same place, but it's actually something else and much lower. Bottom line is they've changed the keys and everything on the songs, but they aren't good enough players to transpose that in their heads. Gotcha. So they get specially tuned guitars. Uh, that's very interesting. So I thought that was kind of cool. There's some inner workings that happen at those concerts. I had no idea. Oh, yeah. I still think a lot of people, I always look carefully and see, do I see as many background singers as I hear? Ah. And, you know, there were concerts some years back where people would sing to tracks and they'd have, 
you know, musicians would like to double their voice, have themselves singing the same thing they're singing. And I think they were doing that too at times. Not the Stones, but right. others. No, I, I wondered how does Pink hang upside down in an aerial what have you and still sing like that? Is, and never be out of breath. Yeah, like well, just there, there's got to be something else going on. Which I actually talked to someone who who explained it to me, and I'm, I was I was like, I get it. It it's like it's not really going on, but there's just this amazing audio engineer that just knows when to do magical things so that it sounds like she's singing perfectly. Well, it's you know, live music is so much different today than it was 20 years ago. Right, and I. I always have loved many different set types of music. I've always loved uh, show tunes, show music, and I would, you know, anytime I could get tickets, I'd go to the Fox. When I worked in New York, I would go to the Broadway theater at least once a week because I was there by myself and I could get the one ticket in, yeah, right, know, in, in right. the square and, and, and go that way. But, um, you know, now they're all wearing microphones that are either, in the case of theatrical stuff, glued to the top of their forehead and things like that. Yes, yes. But the Muni Opera is that way now, but it wasn't always. I mean, they literally had microphones on the front of the stage. Right, right. And so it's all very different. Ah, time keeps going. So, is there a band that when they broke up, it broke your heart? There were a lot of bands that I loved dearly. Um, the Young Bloods were one. Uh, Jesse Colin Young, I was always very big with him. Um, Backdorf and Rodney, if you remember them. I don't remember yeah, that these are my, my, um, You know, I love all of the early um, uh, jazz rock, fusion chick Korea and all that kind of stuff. My tape is, my, my, well, if, if we'd walk around the corner to where our office is, we have uh, about 26,000 albums. Now they're all on a big hard drive. Right. It's So I guess my heart was never broken because I just went on to discover somebody else. Gotcha. Lots of music out there. Well, one of the questions I always ask my guests, because we're a lot about kindness, and, you know, I, I find a kindness connection with everyone. I mean, I think it's very kind of you to be bringing the music that people are missing to that audience that's been out there going, where did it go? Why all of a sudden is it not considered, you know, for real awesomeness? And thank you for bringing it to them. Um, But what kindness have you recently either given, received, witnessed? Like what's top of mind kindness you can share with us? Well, using uh, the Roots Dot .fm as an example, um, I'm the money behind it, and there certainly is a limit to that. But our entire staff, they're all volunteers, and they um, we have new state-of-the-art radio technology. Everybody's working from home. They're doing their shows from home. And, you know, some of them are on four hours a, a night, every night. And so it's tremendous amounts of volunteerism and people that are supporting what we do. On on my side of that, I always made sure that uh, that we had the best equipment. We're 100% digital. Um, MP3 is a cuss word 
to us. Gotcha. Because you're destroying the music. Even if it's just bits and bites you're destroying. We're very, uh, you know, we just, we're very particular about the sound and everything. So, uh, so much of that comes from the fact that the communications, music, creative business that I came out of could be very nasty. And, and people were frequently fired and shock jocks could be very mean. Yeah. Um, we're not that way. Everybody just has to get along. We're all just trying to have some fun and and serve serve the audience. So we don't put up with anything. I love that. That is in kindness. Yay, you guys. That's good. That's how it should be. Well, we've parted company, names not to be used, with once terribly popular morning DJs in this town because they were just difficult and they didn't work with the bigger picture. Right. And we keep saying, you know, we're much closer to the end than we are to the beginning. So at least it damn well better be fun. I And I have to say, I never was a fan of shock jocks. I, it always just felt yucky and I don't like mean-spirited and things that they found funny. I'm like, that's actually not funny. That's That's really hurtful and mean. You know, Howard Stern came out at some point. He he has grown up. And Mm -hmm. and he said, you know, I realize how I used to be. And I'm no longer that. I've learned. I've been through therapy. And I was like, really? Howard Stern? I mean, he was the the ultimate shock jock, right? Well, morning DJs particularly suffer from the same disease. And everyone tells them how smart and clever they are. And they begin to believe it. So they think that anything that comes out of their mouth is really cool and interesting. So that whatever part of your brain controls that, theirs has been unplugged. So they think that anything they say, you know, has got to be wonderful and and genius. I grew up listening to Jack Carney. And Jack Carney was a genius. Mm -hmm. And I could sit at a stoplight going down market to my office in the city, and uh, Carney would say something very funny, and I'd be laughing, and I'd I'd turn and glance out of the other side, and there would be someone else in the car next to me. They'd be laughing at the same time to the same thing. Right. That used to be an experience. You don't really have that anymore. And it was, I did a, um, don't know how this happened, but I did a, I interviewed uh, uh, Mr. Carney, um, and uh, Miss Blue, if you remember Miss Blue, don't remember Miss Blue, Blue was a uh, kind of a sidekick on the show, but um, she had been a uh, a janitor in the building at Camoax, and oh, she'd be, be she'd be cleaning up, and Jack would start to speak to her. She was unaware that she was on the air, and and then when when he'd tell her, she said, "Oh, I can't," you know, and. Uh, <laughs> And there are just so many stories like that. And so I, and we were interviewing her, and those who grew up with with Carney certainly know Miss Blue. And she would say, oh, well, here, you need to see this and get a picture of this. And so she says, I'm going to go tell, we're going to dump the trash in the dumpster. And nobody has seen me do that before. It, it was just, oh, he, he, was, he was incredible. But he was never nasty. Right. He was never dirty. Right. Okay. And that's the difference between real talent and a shock jock. I love it. 
Well, John, this has been awesome. Tell everybody where to listen to The Roots FM. Oh, so we're ready to start now? Yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, let's yeah. go. No. <laughs> um, th- that's the toughest thing about us in that it's uh, you can't tune up and down the internet. Right. Okay? Um, you find us uh, via our website, and it's The Roots. We were once, uh, anyway, theroots.fm, <laughs> okay, instead of .com. And you go there, and that's our website. And you can and, listen all day long. You can listen right there. But we're we're also on Roku, and um, all the other apps that you know on your smart TV. Um, it's on your Sono system. It's we have uh, apps that you download for free that are on your on your phone, and then you plug that into your car. That sounds great. So you can find us. But that first leap is often a little takes a little effort. Gotcha. The roots. Dot FM. Well, John, thank you so much for your time oh, my today. And I, I've learned a lot. And I thank you for your kindness and for your studios being here at Medici. That's where we are today at Medici Media Space. And thank you. Oh, I love the place the first time I saw it. And I think, yeah, I'm sure the, the younger people here all feel it. But being an older guy, closer to 70 than I am 65. Oh, my God. And uh, But being around all the young people and seeing all these people at that stage you know, of their career, it's that's maybe 30% of the fun of being here. It is. I agree. I'm, I'm on the closer to 60 range. But, yes, we love – I love the – I just love the whole feeling of Medici. It just has its own really nice spirit and vibe. And, yeah, lots of nice people. I would have gone nuts if I had to do this or had to do the pandemic in my basement. Welcome to Medici. Thank you for being here. Thank you. (laughs) And for everyone out there listening, you have been listening to Mishmash. Thank you so much for tuning in and have wonderful days. We love you. Bye.